it. Mercy! Scotty is yelling mercy. This was, so Cal was William Wallace laid out on a stone tablet. Oh, don't say that. And Don't talk like that. The, what was he, what was he, the monarch? Had the, that had the tools and the blades. No, he, I don't think and he was the monarch. And they're cutting William Wallace, and somebody in the crowd's like, "Mercy!" Oh man, like, that's terrible. Everybody's screaming mercy right now for Cal. They just wanted this thing to be over about an hour and a half ago. We, we got through the half, and even though the half, what was it, twenty-eight nothing at the half? Yes. Even though the, the half was twenty-eight nothing, it was like, oh gosh, just. For the love of all the health of these players, just wave the white flag and call it good. If you're just tuning in, Utah gets the win 35 to nothing, but this thing could have been 135 to nothing. Frank, give us a breakdown of what your magnificent brain and and quarterback mind saw in this one. It was another stifling defensive effort. Another week where... Utah goes above and beyond the call of duty on the defensive side. Cal had six first downs in the game. They were 2 of 11 on third down efficiency. They had a net total of 60 yards passing, nine completions on 22 passes. In two weeks now, Utah has allowed 13 completed passes. 13. For 85 yards. In two weeks, I just, 23 yards rushing. I just did the math on this. So Arizona State averages 233 yards through the air per game coming out of this Washington State loss, or sorry, this UCLA loss. Cal averaged 193 yards per game through mm-hmm. the air coming into this Utah game. So that's a total of 426 yards between two teams. Mm-hmm. Average. Mm-hmm. Utah just allowed 85 yards between those total. two. Yeah, total two games between those two teams in two weeks. Eight, 85 yards. This quarters. is the most insane thing I've ever seen in Pac-12 history. Do you think that there's ever been back to back two games that there's only been a total of 85 yards I sub 100? I that's. That would be shocking yeah. if there were. Like, absolutely shocking. This is as dominant as you can possibly be. Can you give us uh, your thoughts and your updates? Tyler Huntley, it, it was it was announced, and Frank and I talked about it in the preview show. We knew that he'd been practicing. We knew there was high likelihood that he'd be out there for the game. Frank talked about the likelihood of it, and then obviously Huntley kind of announced it and said, no, nah, I'm going to be there. I'm going to play. So he's out there, Frank, and to kind of take us into Huntley's game, what you saw from him and what more you might need to see from him. Super efficient game, passing the ball. He's 11 of 17, 214 yards, 12.6 yard average, one touchdown, no interceptions. Super efficient game. But here's where he, here's where he wasn't the same. Like his escapability, his movement in the pocket – his ability to keep his eyes downfield, that was excellent. Yeah. Made some really big plays. The one Can you believe how much boss, he's improved in that oh, arena? It's, it's unbelievable. Wait, can you believe the job that Andy Ludwig has done? Oh, man. I mean, that's the difference. That's the difference. Tyler Huntley obviously taking it to heart and working on it and executing it, and Andy Ludwig 
you know, kind of planting that in his head, training him how to how to play that way. So the combination of those two have been fantastic in the passing game. In the run game, this is where Tyler Huntley was lacking tonight. You could tell he had a little hitch in his giddy-up. Yeah. When he rolled out, when he moved in the pocket, when he dropped back to pass, he just didn't look right. They ran him one time, third and two, first series of the game. He couldn't get it. He just didn't have the drive off of that leg. He didn't have the explosiveness off of that leg. You could see the brace clearly on his left leg. So instead, Utah stuck with Tyler Huntley as the passing quarterback, game manager passing quarterback, and went almost exclusively to Zach Moss as the hammer in the run game. And what a performance. Yeah. What a performance. 17 Mm -hmm. carries, 115 yards, 6.8 yards per carry, two touchdowns. Jeez. And the last touchdown run. And left it with 11 minutes left in the third quarter. The last touchdown run that Zach Moss had. He avoided a tackle, stepped back, spun around. I think it was 15 yards into the end zone. It was a play. I jumped out of my seat. Yeah, we got to talk about Zach Moss tonight. Uh, just take us through those numbers again with Zach Moss and, and give us your your thoughts on his game. And, and I want you to talk about Andy Ludwig's usage with oh, Zach Moss. Oh, it was great. It was terrific. I said coming in, wouldn't it be nice to have Zach Moss 15 to 18 carries – 100-plus yards, get out of the game, healthy. And it, it's almost exactly what occurred. It was so perfect for, for Utah. Same with Tyler Huntley because he played until half, essentially, and then he was out of the game. He could rest that, that knee, that leg, because Utah had built such a lead and the defense was playing so well. And then Zach Moss got his carries, got his work, was dominant and then he could take a rest and then guys like Devin Brumfield Brumfield ends up with nine carries 34 yards on the night Devontae Henry Cole five carries 26 yards Jason Shelley filled in nicely for Tyler Tyler Huntley in the quarterback run game because Utah couldn't utilize Huntley in the quarterback run game here comes Jason Shelley eight carries 24 yards very nice job Jalen Dixon had a carry. Jordan Wilmore had a carry. Derek Vickers had a carry. Damari Simpkins had a carry. Drew Lisk, TJ Green, everybody had a carry in that football wow. game. So in a game when we thought that Utah would be able to and needed to lean on the running game, mm-hmm. they did. They were able to accomplish that. Check yep. that box. 231 yards total yeah. on the ground. Frank, talk about a team's ability. This is something that you and I talked about Yes, or, or sorry, in the pregame. It's almost yesterday. <laughs> but this is something that we talked about in the pregame. Talk about the formula. When, when you've got a, a team that has a great, solid run base and a great defense, talk about how that formula stabilizes things out on a football field and, and, and can create a reliable start. So offensive teams need to get into a rhythm. And, you know, you need to go through a series, five, six, seven-play series, find yourself in scoring position, 
and and then have a have a a defense that can get you back on the field when you're in that rhythm and continue and keep going and and the the issue that teams have had in the past few weeks several weeks is that one they don't get a lot of plays if i'm reading this correctly has you tell me if i'm reading this correctly cal had 22 pass attempts mm-hmm. and 21 rush attempts that's a grand total of 43 plays yeah 43 offensive plays in the game yeah and on the flip side of that you had 72 77 72 for for Utah 72 yeah. for Utah yeah that you just you you don't create the, What's the your defense, time of possession? Can you pull that up? Yeah. U- Utah had 37-39 to 22-21 for Cal. That's a really heavily weighted it's time ridiculous. of It's ridiculous. You can't do anything. The the defense doesn't allow the offense to get into the rhythm. And then what Utah did tonight on the offensive side is they kept the offense, they kept Cal's offense on the bench. Yeah. They went on extended drives, time-consuming drives. They ran a lot of plays and kept moving the chains. The offense for Cal just never had a chance to get into the rhythm. One, because the defense was stifling. Two, because Utah's offense kept Cal's offense off the field. Zach Moss' all-purpose yards are fantastic tonight. Can you talk a little bit more about Tyler Huntley's vision? When, when he's scrambling out of that pocket in that first quarter, maybe the second offensive drive, he's scrambling out of that pocket. I mean, Brian, I'll throw that at you. Frank, I'll throw that at you. I'll throw that at everybody. <laughs> Last year, Tyler Huntley leaves the pocket like that. And what happened? He's, His hair caught on fire. Yeah. That's how I describe it. There, there was no vision downfield. It's, air it's like on when fire. a deer is running and like instinct just takes over and they go all sorts all over the place. Yeah. Now it looks like when he does it, it's with a plan and he has something in mind and something to look for. And I think it's Andy Ludwig has just done a phenomenal job of getting him to do that. Well, I, I, I've got to imagine, and Frank, you talk about this. Andy Ludwig has to sit down with Tyler Huntley and say, hey, so do you remember when this university won the cotton or the uh, – the Sugar Bowl. Sugar Bowl. Yep. You remember that? Oh, yeah. We're going to go watch some film on Brian Johnson, and <laughs> we're going to see how his eyes adjust when the pocket collapses. Because I'm starting to see Tyler Huntley have that vision and that moment. You can see it. He, he stops, he breaks, he uses his athleticism to move the pocket, and then his head comes up and the 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 things start ticking in the brain and and then there's the release boom there's the moss boom there's a check down there's another check down and it's really pretty to watch there's there's a couple things i think one is for a couple years in a row prior to this year all of there there didn't seem to be a check down like all of the all of the past patterns it, Clearly not all, but lots of the pass patterns had extended routes, long developing passing plays. Moss, or excuse me, Huntley stuck in the pocket without somewhere to release the ball and then trying to make a play on his own. And now 
He's been taught, he's been coached, and he's taken, he's taken this part of his game to the next level of, I'm going to look downfield, I'm going to look downfield, I'm going to buy myself a little extra time, I'm going to keep my eyes downfield and find, there's, there's, I always have a safety valve, I always have a release, and it was several times it was, Zach, Zach Moss, by the way, ends up not only the leading rusher tonight, he's the leading receiver for Utah tonight. Three receptions, mm-hmm. 89 yards. So, and, and those aren't, those 89 yards aren't passes that are traveling 89 yards downfield. Right. Those are passes that are traveling five yards downfield. Right. And that's because... And he's turning them into 48. That's because of the vision mm-hmm. and the movement in the pocket of Tyler Huntley. Yep. It's really special. Um What's happening right now with Utah in their overall formula is extremely special. And you've got a couple more weeks to peak. You've got a couple of games you've got to get through. You know, you've got to get through that Washington game. That's going to be a tough one. And I don't care who Washington has lost to. I don't care what their resume currently shows. And you've got to go to Seattle next week and you've got to find a way to beat this Washington team on the road. That's, it's going to be tough. No matter what no matter what anybody tells me, this is going to be tough. Super difficult. Chris Peterson is going to make it really difficult. And then you've got a UCLA team that just strangely beat that Arizona State team that you beat last week. And then you've got an Arizona team on the road. And then you've got Colorado at home. So there's an interesting statistic, and I don't know the number exactly. But there's an interesting statistic about teams that play Utah at Rice-Eccles and their win-loss record the following week. Yeah, that was John Wilner put that out last week. Right. Yeah. And it was overwhelming. 3-18, and 18, I think. <laughs> three, three wins and 18 losses, yeah. right? Overwhelming. And it happens again. It happened to Arizona State. I, I can't. I mean, Arizona State should beat that UCLA team. Yeah. What I saw Arizona State do last week, that's a team that should beat UCLA, and they looked like. I mean, UCLA certainly played well and took the battle to them, but Arizona State looked beaten up, like physically, like they had been beaten up. Yeah, they did. So, when when you it's it's difficult. I'll be interested to see what Cal does next week. But this is this is a, it's this gonna, is a very physical Utah team. It's going to be difficult for him. I, I've got uh, two sheets of notes here from this game, and a lot of my notes consist of different blitzing and different blitzing schemes. Wanting to break down the different blitzing schemes, but taking a look at Burgess coming in on blitzes, taking a look at Josh Nurse, or sorry, yeah, yeah, jo- yeah. Josh Nurse. Nurse coming in on a corner blitz and causing a big fumble. Uh, you know, you, you saw that just the beginning of the second half mm-hmm. that, that caused the big fumble. Yep. Um, I've got Lucky Fotu on a stunt. I've got. <laughs> I, I, just going down the list defensively, I'm looking at seven, eight different blitzes that caused big time trouble mm-hmm. for Cal. So 
you know, when you start to look at blitz percentages, and Morgan Scali has to sit down and he's got to look at blitz percentages. How many times am I bringing six? How many times am I bringing seven? What is the percentage that's arriving? What's the percentage that's having some type of effect on the throw? It's going to be an extremely high percentage when he rolled the dice, bringing safeties up, bringing corners in. So it's a post game like tonight is difficult because you don't know exactly where to place your the emphasis and the excitement because it just all worked like a well-oiled machine. Typically, guys, at the end of October, we're talking about, oh, man, what is Coach Whittingham going to do with this coordinator? <laughs> this is already his 11th. What oh, is he going man. to do? Because oh, Troy Taylor man. will not run Zach Moss. Why will he not run Zach Moss? I don't understand why Dave Christensen is refusing to and, – and it just goes down the line. And yeah. now – yeah. You know, you're at the end of October, guys are getting healthy, guys are staying healthy for the most part, and we're rolling into that daunting November where it's always just been the haunted November for for the University of Utah, and I'm encouraged. It's rolling. I've got confidence in Ludwig. I've got confidence in this offense. In fact, I think if you, if your defense just stumbled against Washington – your offense might be able to carry you for a minute now. You might be able to put it on their back and say, hey, guys, we need we need a, a 12-play, six-and-a-half, seven-minute drive here. And when was the last time that it was Utah's special teams that was the weak link on a team? Oh, it's been forever. 19, yeah, and that's, that's a good point. 1992. That's a good point, and, and look at how this defense and offense has taken it away from the special teams. Well, and there was another missed field. There was a missed field goal tonight. Yeah, there was a missed field goal. And did hey, you see Coach Whittingham? He was not very happy. He's going to chew through leather. Because i, I got to imagine that it's <laughs> That some... is a saying, by the way. Chew through leather is a saying. One of the few that you actually say that is a saying. You make you say things sometimes, and you try to convince me that there's it's a saying, but there's no way. I I Google it. What was I look the one it up. that you, you? Nobody knows because everybody knew. Nobody knows. Urban Dictionary had chewing it. your heel or whatever you said it was. There's no such thing. <laughs> chewing leather. It yes. was something about like coughing up something through your throat or something. I, I can't. We'll I have can't. to go search the archives. So on that one, this is you know they're setting things up where. That they can actually carry some momentum and carry some weight and expectations on the offensive side of the ball. You know how dangerous that is mm-hmm. with this talent and yeah. with Kyle Whittingham and Morgan Scully's defense. Yeah, whoo, that is dangerous. It's stuff. it is it's super dangerous. But, uh, but I, I just want to mention that because you mentioned it, this is a Washington team that's five and three right now. They they had a bye week this week. Mm-hmm. They lost a very close game, maybe a game they should have figured out how to win against Oregon and got ro- robbed, I'll say, on a pass interference penalty that wasn't called. Two and three in the North. This is a proud Washington team, well-coached, very athletic, super young. Yeah. Super young. And by far, the stiffest test for Utah going out. Arizona got beaten today. By Stanford. Who knows what Stanford is? Colorado got beaten 
by USC in a mm-hmm. game that they probably should have won. And then UCLA won today. So those are the last four remaining for Utah. But this Washington game coming up, very difficult task. Hans Olsen, Frank Dolce, this is your Utah Post Game Show. 855-340-9663 if you want to call in and throw in your two cents or if you've got a question for Frank, uh, anything about the quarterback, anything about the defensive side of the ball, any observation that you might have, throw the questions out to Frank and Frank will help you through or just throw your opinion out there. 855 855- Three four zero nine six six three. Frank, do you happen to have the drive any any drive charts in front of you? I'm just curious because there were yeah. some there were some backed up starting positions, and there were some really long drives tonight. Yeah, I have I have play by play. So we could go through first quarter. I wanted to know. <laughs> Look at that. Brian. Well, how about this? I mean, the first drive of the first scoring drive of the game for Utah in the first quarter, seven plays, 99 yards. 99 I mean, yards. 90, 99 and, and yards. That came off that punt? Yes. That, that, that stuck them back their ways? Next scoring drive, 10 plays, 90 yards. So, 99 yard drive, a 90 yard drive. The next scoring drive is a 72 yard drive. The next scoring drive is a 76-yard scoring drive, and the last scoring drive is just a simple 50-yard scoring drive. Guys, when have we seen this? With a, with, with a Kyle Whittingham-led offense, well, a Kyle Whittingham-hired offensive coordinator-led offense, you just don't. Um, could you say you saw it in 2008? That, that would be possible. That would be the the possible year, but that was such a strange. It was a strange. That was a strange year too. Two thousand seven was awful. Utah lost Brian Johnson early. They lost the running backs early. Yeah, they lost a lot of talent early in that two thousand seven season. They battled and battled and battled, and found a way into the Sun Bowl, and beat Georgia Tech with John Hayes making plays wow. at quarterback. And then they took all of that grittiness and converted converted into two, that that 2008 year when they were able to stay healthy. But it was still a year where they went through a bunch of games, three quarters of very average football and a miraculous Brian Johnson comeback to win to win a game in the fourth quarter. That seemed to happen at least half the time. Uh, so I, the point that I'm making is I'm not sure even then. That we saw Utah go on 99, 90, 72, 76, 50 yard scoring drives yeah. in a game. It's really impressive. Yeah. I'm, I'm also looking at some of the downfield blocking. My, my notes have a, a lot of different things included here. Downfield blocking by tight ends. Mm. All three tight ends had a reception inside the first half. So, you know, you, at least I believe all three tight ends had a reception. Inside the first half, I, I think we saw Hunter, Big Hunter, get a reception in that first half. Uh, I'll go back and look, or if what do you guys want to take a peek at that? But downfield blocking, committed, committed to their block, continuing to give running backs extra 
extra edge, extra yardage. It's just the the receivers in their blocking downfield were were spectacular. Yeah, Cole Fotheringham had two catches. Keithy had three, and then Ali'i Numatololo had one in okay. the second half. All right. So it was it was Fotheringham, and and Numatololo came in at about the eleven minute mark. So great job by those guys, each grabbing a ball and. Great job by them in downfield blocking. The other thing that I'm really loving, and, and, and Frank, I want you to expand on this a little bit. Talk about the play-action game that Andy Ludwig is working off the Zach Moss ground production. Well, And I could talk when, about trying to defend it. Yeah, I, I want to I know from your perspective offensively, what are you seeing, his usage and his timing of it? When, when you... When, when, First of all, when you run the ball for 231 yards, then lots of things have to have to happen. And one is your running back has to be good. Two is you have to block it up front pretty well. You have to you have to have a pretty good running back. And three is you you have to have people helping you downfield. That's the that's the stuff you're talking about. We saw in one play in particular when late in the game, later in the game, Zach Moss was taking it off the left, left side, then bounced it outside. And lo and behold, not only is Keithy out in front blocking for him and destroyed a, a defensive back, but there is also Jason Shelley out in front of Zach Moss throwing a block. Yeah. So, I mean, complete, total team effort. Mm-hmm. And then when you can run the ball like that, People have to be committed to stopping that portion of the game, or they should be committed to stopping that portion of the game. And when you can hold the ball out toward a running back heading to the line of scrimmage and a a linebacker or a defensive back sees that, it becomes an immediate reaction. Right. I have to step. I have to get closer to the line of scrimmage. And when you do that, everything is compressed and passing lanes open up. Yep. There's not a linebacker dropping into a passing lane. All of a sudden, there's a defensive back stepping when a receiver is going downfield and making a cut. He's yep. not in the proper position to make a play. And so the really effective run game is complemented by... The play-action pass game. And Andy Ludwig has a very nice concept of utilizing both. Of understanding, hey, we're, you know what, we're really moving the ball well. I, there's really, I see commitment from the defensive side to stop the run. Well, now we can do this. Mm-hmm. 855-340-9663 to jump on with Frank Dolce here on the Frank Dolce Utah postgame show. <laughs> That's not what it's called. <laughs> that is it's, what it's called. <laughs> it's, it's called. It's called the Utah Post Game Show. No, with Hans Frank, Olsen. It's a Frank Dolce featuring Utah Post. Can I just be the featuring Frank featuring Frank? <laughs> no, we're not yeah, doing that. Eight five five three four zero nine six six three. Dave and Andy, hang on. We're going to take this break. We're going to come right back to your calls and more. Eight five five three four zero nine six six three. We get these phone calls rolling coming up next. It's 
touchdown. That one measures 40 yards in the playbook. Wide open. Welcome back. It is the Utah Post Game Show, 97.5, 12 into the zone in the Zone Sports Network. Frank Dolce hanging out with you throughout the evening. 855-340-9663. And if you're just tuning in, Utah gets the win over Cal in a very dominating fashion, 35 to nothing. Again, I want to really stress this to everybody. If you only saw the score, understand that I should be coming on saying, and Utah gets the win over Cal, 75 to nothing. Like legitimately, Utah gets the win over Cal, seventy-five to nothing, and it was uh, it was a dominating game. Like I'm just saying, if it wait, what are you saying? Yeah, I'm saying if any, if if people out there didn't watch the game, okay, yeah. and they're just waiting for a score, I want to give a score that represents the game. Okay, I I understand, and that score would be seventy-five Seven, to nothing. Seventy-five to nothing. Yeah. That would be more representative of what actually happened. It was a dominating effort. Dominating effort across the board. And, you know, one of the most impressive things, and Frank and I have been talking about this, over the last two weeks, Utah's defensive backfield has given up a grand total of 85 yards of passing. That's two weeks combined, under 100 yards. It's impressive. It's astounding. It's really, it's incredible. I've played football and been a part of football for many, many, many years, and I've never seen anything like that. Never. No, it, it, it's stifling. It was a stifling no, defensive effort. Well, no, we're not talking about Air Force or Navy. No, no. We're, not, we're not talking about T no. wing tees and all these. We're, we're talking about teams that are, are based dual threat offenses. Mm-hmm. And you held them to a combined 85 yards. Yeah, Cal did have a freshman quarterback, and he did look like he was a little. He started out pretty good, and then and then he looked he like came, a deacon. He came back. To, you mean like in church, like he, a deacon? Well, yeah, he looked like a. He looked extremely young. An altar and boy. Scared. I mean, to just do an analogy, deacon, and, altar boy. And when uh, what else? What other? What are they? Did uh, a mezzo soprano? I, I don't know. I'm just throwing out words. I don't even know. Being a boy, boys choir, something like that. Yeah. Okay. He looked extremely he, young and tiny. Oh man, yeah. I thought he was going to get broken in half. He made it through guy. the game. He did. Well, he, he he got replaced at the end there. Oh, did he? Yeah, he got replaced at the end there. I think he he might have he may have when they said, hey. Rash, you're you're out. He may have just said, had a little sigh of relief, like, "Oh, thank <sighs> goodness that thing's that's Hallelujah. over. That's a learning experience." Then he's yelling at somebody, "Ice, <laughs> give me the ice!" Comp- I believe they call that being saved, don't they? Yeah. Compression, ice, <laughs> ibuprofen, traction. This, this way, bandages. This way. How about Evan Weaver? Uh, did he have a couple tackles? Yeah, twenty-two tackles. Oh man, that's insane. But how about did anybody the, else get a tackle? Yeah, Dang had sixteen tackles. But but here's the thing about Evan Weaver's twenty-two tackles. Did very few times. I don't remember a time. Well, no, that's not true. There were a couple times when there was a when there was a collision in Evan Weaver concussive type of tackle yeah where he took control but but lots of other tackles he made were kind of like tackles hanging on like here comes zach moss mm-hmm. i'm gonna wrap my arms around him and i'm gonna hang on and, yeah. and then the weight of me is gonna bring him down yeah. that, that kind of tackle nick ford 
pancaked him at one point. Yeah, he did. On, uh, the off- the Utah offense did more damage to the Cal defense than the Cal defense did to the Utah offense, and that that's not typical. <laughs> so first downs in rushing yards. Oh man, that's so brutal. It it that, okay. Well, it just really goes to the dominance of this team right now, and and I think that they are in need of a, of a higher level test, and that's going to be in Seattle next week. Yeah, no question yep. about it. No question about it. And and Seattle. Uh, on, on the road in a in a hostile stadium, hostile beautiful stadium. Yes, and a team that's coming off of a bye. Well, and I, I do want to mention this. This is the perfect team to have in front of you to help motivate the boys because there is no way Kyle Whittingham is forgetting a Pac-12 championship game or um, a. Uh, another what was it? A, a, a end of the season, regular season game, wasn't it? Where he and Chris Peterson had some back and forth, mm-hmm. and, and yes, tried to extend it on a fourth down, oh, called a timeout. Yeah, don't. Yeah, so no. so let's not relive. I'm that. telling you right now, it's going to come up. This I week think too. that Kyle, Whitt- this is the perfect game to get under Kyle Whittingham's skin. And allow his team to kind of take on the persona of their head coach and play this next week very irritated. I think it's a really good, really good time to have Washington on the schedule. Yeah. Now, Washington's a different team. I mean, they're they're young, uh, but in terms of the last few teams Utah has faced, this is a much more complete team, um, a team with much greater depth of talent so Cal loses a guy Oregon State loses a guy and the next guy who comes in there's a there's a significant decrease in productivity yeah that doesn't happen at Washington even with the youth lose a guy next guy steps in yeah and that guy is going to be as good Really tough to deal with. Really difficult to deal with. So there's a greater depth of talent, greater understanding of offensive and defensive scheme and philosophy and strategy and execution. So everything everything gets a little bit tighter. Everything happens a little bit faster. The execution is more crisp. So all of those things, Utah has to be... On top of their, just exactly what you're talking about. They have to be just right on top of their game to manage what mm-hmm. Washington's going to throw at them. You're listening to the Frank Dolce Utah <laughs> post game with Frank Dolce. 855 340 9663 to jump on the post game show with us. Dave, you are up first with Frank. Go ahead, man. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Thanks for waiting patiently. Oh no, good, good. Uh, I think Cal needs to uh, file assault charges against the Utah defense. That was that <laughs> was ruthless. Yes, it was. <laughs> Utah, this might be the best defense in the country, and I think was this their first shutout in Pac-12 since they've been in the Pac-12. That is correct. I think that's been confirmed. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I was just, uh, that's insane. So, I mean, that's amazing. And uh, as far as the offense goes, um, the thing I really like is I, I think Andy Lundwood has used that RPO on like third and shorts, I think in every game to get like a 20-plus yard touchdown. He did it again tonight for sure in the game before. I'm not, I can't remember games before that, but that is 
man, this is the Utah team I've wanted for years. This is amazing. Um, just, just really good stuff. And I, I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on uh, what you think of Huntley. He looked, he looked good in the first quarter, and then he looked like he started to get gimpy, kind of throw his throws a little low. Do you think his ankle's going to get better? Is this exactly how it's going to act until he can heal after a bye? What's your guys' thoughts? Dave, thanks for the call. Frank, will you start by correcting him on the situation with that leg and then talk about Huntley's health? Yeah, Huntley uh, is not. It's not an ankle injury. I believe it's a sprain in more in the knee region, uh, and it did affect him. It affected him from the very first quarter. We saw him jog out onto the field, yeah. and he was gimpy, and it and it and it started to act up. It looked like it started to act up, act up over the course of the game. Even with that, he was very efficient in the passing game. His movement in the pocket was still good and crisp. He just he couldn't he, his ability to run the ball was diminished and so Ludwig used Jason Shelley very effectively yeah. in in the quarterback run game. But it also shows the increased ability for Tyler Huntley to have a a bad will, but at the same time be the most trusted in throwing the football. Yeah, no question. And and also be very efficient in throwing the football with the bad will and being able to trust that he can release that ball before taking the shot on the bad will. So yeah. and then feeling comfortable enough with the bad will that he did move the pocket a couple of times. Yeah. Absolutely. So it was just a fantastic night for Tyler Huntley and and also it was exactly what the doctor called for. Tyler Go get a couple of quarters, mm-hmm. warm up, feel a couple of pops on that knee. Realize that the stability's still there. Yeah, your mobility isn't quite there, but we're going to get you there, and then we'll get you off the field. He was out of the game with eleven thirty left in the third quarter. Yeah, and it's always the most difficult is always that first week after an injury because it's just new. You're dealing with new pain and questions about the stability and whether or not you can go and and I know it's day to day but but uh, my understanding is that Tyler didn't really start practicing until Wednesday of this week and so he only got a couple days in and and so now if he comes out of that if he comes out of this game healthy which it looks like he he did and if if he didn't sustain any damage to that knee which it looks like he didn't then then he has all of these extra days now to become day by day even better and so i think his his health will just continue to improve and his confidence playing on that injury will just continue to improve and improve and he may not be 100% by the time the game against Washington rolls around, but based on what he did tonight, mm-hmm. I think he'll be really close. Yeah, it's going to feel a lot better for yeah. him. Yeah. I wish I could take our listeners into those treatment rooms <laughs> and put the stem in ice. And uh, you know, I remember doing acupuncture mm-hmm. on different injuries and all the different uh, massages, and they, they do so much. It, it is time consuming. Yeah, you miss classes, oh. and you, you are responsible for being in there for certain times, but but it is helpful. No rehab. You have to be. You have to be a rehab fanatic 
If you want to get back and if you want to play, it's fully possible. There aren't any limitations, Mm -hmm. but you have to be a rehab fanatic. Like, every off hour, you're in the training room. Or you're in the training room with your books and studying and doing everything else. And you're in the ice and your STEM and you're doing the physical therapy and everything else. Daily, we could walk listeners into that training room. You're going to see books open, homework being done, while you've got different STEM pads that are hooked up, uh, electrodes that are hooked up to the muscle area that are shocking and and constricting and then relaxing the muscle. You're going to see ultrasound being used and different joints mm-hmm. and you're going to see guys trying to get their homework done while they're sitting halfway in an ice bath and oh man it is it's it's a lot of focus and effort that goes into getting your body right but this right now it's a team where Tyler Huntley, Zach Moss, Darren Paulo, some of these guys that have had some nicks and dings that are at paramount importance to this team being able to achieve what they can achieve you've got to keep your body ready yeah, and I'm sure they're doing that oh, because yeah. they they see the writing on the wall here with this team. Yeah, yeah, no question. Eight five five three four zero nine six six three. Let's jump back out to the phone lines. Go to Lee. You're up next with Frank Dolce. Go ahead, Lee. Hi guys. Hello, Hello Frank. I'm so glad I get to follow that phone call. <laughs> no, no, I'm gonna be nice. I'm way nice than that guy. <laughs> Good. No, I'm legitimately curious. Why did I see them run the no huddle offense so much? In the third and fourth quarter, what are they preparing for that they're running that no huddle? I mean, it was like six or seven times I saw them run it. You're talking Utah running the no no yeah. huddle offense, yeah, yeah, no, it like, you, you, like Alabama style. Yeah, they were running the no huddle offense. Yeah, and they ran it with Huntley and with Shelley. Yeah, and I'm just curious why. Well, it's not Utah has the no huddle in there. In their playbook, I mean that's part of the the offensive scheme is they'll huddle at times, and then they have a no huddle package. And the reason that you might run a no huddle package, especially in a game like this, is one you have the lead, significant lead. You don't have to necessarily worry about making a mistake. Now's the time to train yourself on the no huddle offense, and now Washington has to prepare for the no huddle offense. So. When they're out on the defensive side, Washington, what is is Utah huddling? Is Utah not not huddling? How are we going to manage our substitutions? It's another thing for opposing teams to work on during the week. It's like the the same reason yep. that you throw some, you know, a, a trick play here and there or a different that quarterback because you just give the defense something else to prepare for. And, and Lee, I'll, I'll add on to that in. I've had different, a lot of different no huddle offenses that I've actually run in, and we had we had one where you would game plan for a certain defense throughout the week, and there was a personnel grouping that you would try to get that defense to present on the field. So basically, you wanted to see a certain eleven players out on the field. Once you get them on the field. And you go into a no huddle, and you don't make any substitutions. You can hold that eleven man, those eleven men on the defense with a no huddle, 
because it doesn't give them time to change to, to to exchange players and as long as you're not substituting they don't get the freedom or the stoppage to substitute so a lot of times you'll identify personnel and you'll keep that personnel on the field because you feel like you've got some mismatches for instance like Brant Keithy you you they they put a nickel personnel out there and you feel like Brant Keithy matches up with that nickel back that's come on the field and you feel like you can beat him over the top with a waggle or you know some type of play action play to get over the top of it but whether he's bigger stronger or faster and you hold that personnel so there's a you know whether it's Frank's reason my reason there's a lot of reasons you'll see an offense go out there and run a no huddle so thanks for the call it's a great question Lee thank you you bet yeah, you bet. 855-340-9663. And, Frank, I, I also, you know, I, obviously there's situational no huddle. We talk about the two-minute no yep. huddle. Right. That's important. But um, I know that a, a lot of times you'll put offensive personnel out on a field in, in hopes that you see a certain defensive group. And sometimes you'll even put somebody out there that, can play quarterback and that's a lot of times where you get the flea flickers you hold the personnel in a in that situation and then you'll go to a flea flicker there's a lot of work that you can do through that all right let's go back out to the phone calls go to austin you're up next oh austin's gone 855-340-9663 that's 855-340-9663 to jump here uh, jump on here on the post game show, and Frank, I want you to talk a little bit about this because as you get ready for Washington, and you're getting ready for this Chris Peterson team, what what are some things that you got to keep in mind? What are some typical things that you're going to see from Chris Peterson and this Washington Huskies team? Chris Peterson on the offensive side is a team that's based in the run game. They have a very good quarterback, Eason, this year. But it's a team that's going to run the ball effectively. They're going to be very sound up front. Their offensive line is going to play, execute extremely well, extremely high level. You're not going to have you're, – you're not necessarily going to – although Bradley and I is very good, you're not going to have Bradley and I harassing the quarterback as consistently as he has, has the, the past couple weeks because Washington's going to be – extremely well coached, extremely physical up front. Uh, They're going to run the ball downhill, so you're going to be forced to stop the run, and they're going to do a lot of things that Utah does. They're going to work play action off of their really solid running game. Uh, They're going to force you to make plays downfield. They're going to force coverage issues. They're going to force matchup issues. Your linebackers are going to have to be extremely good at determining whether or not it's a run and getting back into passing lanes. And although Eason isn't necessarily a run threat, you wouldn't necessarily call him a run threat, he's mobile. Yeah. And so you're going to have to be able to contain him. Uh, and he's very good in the pocket. I mean, he'll, 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 do, he'll dance around in the mm-hmm. pocket, he'll find people downfield, dump the ball off. So very efficient, efficient quarterback. On the defensive side, same thing. Now they're young, so but but now we're talking about we're 
three quarters of the way into a football season. Yeah. So the youth they've seasoned up a bit. Yeah, that may have gone away. That's going to be the same thing. They what what Washington doesn't necessarily have this year is that that jackhammer in the middle of the defensive line that they typically have. Someone that can eat up blocks and control the line and be disruptive at the line of scrimmage. They don't necessarily have that guy, but they have a few really good guys and active linebackers. Linebackers that flow to the ball. Linebackers that get into passing lanes. And really dynamic, really athletic defensive backs. A defensive backfield that one of the criteria they use for recruiting defensive backs is whether or not the recruit has NFL potential. Yeah. That's what they say. If he doesn't have NFL potential, don't don't send him here. Yeah. Don't send him to us. And so you're going to face a really athletic guys guys on the defense in the de- defensive backfield that can lock down receivers so it's a it's a it's a different deal when you play washington like you don't you don't necessarily look at it and say here's the weakness that we have to attack you might say well they're not quite as good in this area yep. as they are in this area but overall, they're really good. And that's, I think that's both sides of the ball. I'd agree with it. And I think that's a, a perfect analysis of what you're going to see with Washington. And that means this team's going to have to be right on top of the game. I can't wait for this coming week. And, and I, I, I can't wait. I'll jump into some of my preparation because I, I want to get a feel for what type of defense shows up against Washington. You know, how much you can unleash guys and throw the, 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 the amount of blitzes that you saw tonight and, mm-hmm. and the the differences in the blitzes and the guys that were popping free. You know, when you see Nurse and Burgess and Lecky and I'm trying to think of some of the other guys that pop through in pressures, Lloyd and <laughs> when you see <laughs> when you see little guys Medium guys and big guys hitting a quarterback, it's a great way to know that a defense is being real tricky and real funny, and they're throwing caution at the wind. Yeah, I, I think one of the big ones is Devin Lloyd has allowed them to be so flexible because he has a background as a safety in high school, and he's taken that and brought it to the linebacker position with his athleticism and his physicality, and it's really opened up their defensive playbook. Like you said, it seemed like they brought pressure from everywhere, yeah. and they've been lucky to have freshman quarterbacks the past two weeks, but, I mean – 23 yards rushing, less than 100 yards total offense. That's incredible, regardless of what the quarterback class is. It's unbelievable, man. Yeah. Frank, have you ever yeah. seen this level of dominance on the, on the defensive side? No. No way. In a Certainly not period. on the offensive side, but on the defensive side. As good as, good as Utah has been over the years, this, this two-game stretch certainly has been as, do, as dominant as we've, as we've seen. So first blank – in their Pac-12 history, yeah, not not in Pac-12 play, but or not in you know overall playing Pac-12 teams maybe, but since, since they've joining the- joined the Pac-12, this is the first goose egg that they put on the board. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned 
you mentioned, and let's be honest. Yeah, Arizona State was lucky to get points last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, I, I, so was Oregon. Oregon State, and yeah, it's been a dominant. It's been a dominant effort. That that USC game seemed to stoke the fire of this Utah defense because we went we came out of Utah, we came out of USC thinking oh no yeah here comes Washington state mm-hmm. and they're going to throw the ball for a thousand yards yep and they did they, they couldn't didn't. they they just couldn't, they it, didn't. it's they couldn't. been so impressive i know we've talked about this now for a few weeks in a row but it's been so impressive to see this backfield respond from that USC game and I, and i know that it's a different level of athlete but we're seeing a next level of defense against the athlete that they're facing and it's stunning what they're doing so here's the here's the difference now uh, because you're talking about the competition utah's facing this is what utah's going to be facing next saturday left tackle trey adams it's very good 68 314 pound senior Center Nick Harris, 6'1", 302-pound, senior. Right tackle Jared Hilber, senior, 6'7", 313 pounds. Those are different guys on the offensive line. And now you're also going to be facing Jacob Eason, 6'6", 227-pound, junior, who's been very good this year, Georgia transfer. You're also going to be facing Salvin Ahmed, I think one of the most talented running backs in the Pac-12. Yeah. I put him right there at the top. Zach Moss, Ahmed. But Ahmed has behind him Sean McGrew and Newton. And Newton was injured. I don't know if he's going to be back or not. But that's a three-headed monster, much like Utah has in the offensive backfield. And then you say, well, okay, they have a good running game. They have a good quarterback, good offensive line. What about their receiving core? It's loaded. Yeah. Uh, I, I know this Washington team well because I prepared for them when they oh, played BYU. Yeah. And so I watched BYU beat that USC team, and I thought, oh, well, let's see how they do against this Washington team. And this Washington front came in. and Because remember, against USC, that Kairos Tonga, the, the middle for BYU, yes. was taking that USC center back into the running back and into the quarterback and so was Faltea their number 55 doing the same thing and doing sw- throwing swims and one step setups and causing all kinds of hell and havoc and Washington came in and fundamentally just double teamed split and parted and moved and so this is the next level definitely up front offensively it's just Utah is in such an amazing defensive groove. And Morgan Scali is doing things in gap protections and and different zone rushes that we've seen early in the year. I think they've let the guys loose a little bit more, but they do have it in in their sets that they can do a couple of different things. I have a question for you about that. How much do you think that is influenced by the play of Lecky Fotu, John Penasini, Bradley and I and Mika Tafua up front with their ability to do that. Uh, and you're talking about the the different types of rushes? Yeah. Well, I think that here's the here's the thing. And this is what I was always taught. We can do different types of zone rushing. Okay? So if if we're going to hit if we're going to hit a gap or we're going to hit slants and hit gaps, 
then that leaves us susceptible to getting width in our gap, which leaves running lanes or rushing lanes for a quarterback. If you can get a pass rush with a straight-up bull rush and maintain your lane, then that's as good as it gets in the world of rushing a passer. It's as good as it gets. So, Brian, to your question, if I can take Penasini and I can take Fotu and I can have them in a full bull rush where they they run the center of the lane, they have an ability to come off either way to stop a quarterback that pulls a ball down because he's feeling pressures off the S, the outsides. Well, then that's that's what makes that so dominant. You know, I, I just watching these two games, and these are both athletic quarterbacks for ASU and Cal, and you see what this Utah defensive line, and then you contrast it with well, what UCLA have, did today. Have you been watching how Penasini and Lucky Rush? You will see that that they do get locked up, and they and they don't provide a ton of, you know, overarm one step setup pass for Warren Sap like interior pressure. They they don't do that. The pressure you see is they're kind of walking guys back. They're maintaining the integrity of their gap protection, and they're doing it with their strength. and And that's that's game planned. You know, that's Sione Pua on the inside and Lewis Powell on the outside helping these guys understand we look like idiots when quarterbacks break pockets and get past us but if we can take our offensive linemen with us and we can control the the, the integrity of our gap then we look like heroes and I don't get the call from upstairs that says, hey, man, we're having all kinds of problems. We've got gaps that are separating laterally, and we got to t- – you know, I, I, can't, I, I can't tell people how much room can be created. Instead of me coming right at you, Frank, mm-hmm. and bull rushing you with two hands in your chest, I can't tell you how much room difference there can be if I go to – rip to your left side. I'm ripping, mm-hmm. and as an offensive lineman, you throw your hand down on my hip, and you just run me about a yard and a half, and as a quarterback, you're like, whoa, he's a yard Look and a half that. out. I'm just going to step Look into this lane. That space. So yeah. that's what we're seeing with this coached front. It's just... You feel choked out as a quarterback. I would. I would feel choked out as a quarterback. And then... When Morgan throws in the safety corner <laughs> nickel, it's it's un, it's just unfair. It's like it feels a little uh, unfair. And then a <laughs> linebacker twist that they run. That I love that middle twist. That uh-huh. it's a Kyle Whittingham staple all, over all these years. That <laughs> with the two linebackers yeah. twist, it's just awesome, man. It's awesome, and it's and it's um, and it's based fundamental. It's it's fine foundation defense. I'm not really risking everything. Especially if I've got receivers that I feel like I can truly press and I don't feel like I've got a quarterback back there that can drop a dime over the top. Man, I could do so many things. Now, Eason's going to change that a bit, but you're still going to have your opportunities. You can still pick your opportunities. 855-340-9663. Let's let's take a quick break, and I want to talk about something tonight that I thought changed the offensive flow of this game. An observation from tonight that changed the offensive flow of this game. Frank and I will break it down. 
Feel free to join the conversation. 855-340-9663 right here on the Utah Post Game Show. What was it? Mics are hot. What? What is? Going we have on? some late. I think that the Vivint Smart Home Arena didn't. Security! Didn't. The Jazz game ended hours ago, but there are still what? some fans wandering around, wandering hey, the halls. Hey, Big Brother, can you out there and two dudes just kind of twelve twenty two? They stumbled tried to out of the bathroom us. and well, the bathroom's locked. I tried it. <laughs> That's always scary. Yeah. It's tw- it's twelve thirty and <laughs> dudes are still wandering around, looking through the window and banging on the doors. Hey, we had a uh, we had a question on Twitter. I'm going to try and answer that really quickly. Okay. Uh, third down and fourth down efficiency. Okay, here we go. Utah. That's the wrong game. There we go. I had Utah-Arizona State. It was really good against uh, Arizona State as well. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Third down efficiency. Cal was 2 of 11. That's not good. No, that's not real good. You know what Arizona State was a week ago? No. 2 of 13. Oh. Utah is – Utah opponents last two weeks, 4 of 24. Third down efficiency. Okay. Uh, And Cal didn't have a fourth down try. So zero of zero. Utah was seven of 13 third down efficiency. When you get around 40% third down efficiency, you're feeling pretty good. Utah's over 50% third down efficiency tonight and two of two on fourth down. Last week, Utah was 1 of 1 on 4th down, and Arizona State was 0 for 1 on 4th down. So 3rd down, 4th down efficiency the last two weeks have been dominant. And that, that is one of the most important stats. That's it's something I always look at every week. The ability to, con- to keep a drive alive and the ability to, ki- to get out of a drive, and, and Utah is dominating that phase of the football game. They absolutely are. Frank Dolce, Hans Olsen, it is your Utah postgame show. We're going to hear from Kyle Whittingham here in just a second. I threw a tease out there, something that's happening offensively that's changing the face of what we're seeing. And have you ever, you, I know you've watched the movie Unnecessary Roughness a few times. <clears throat> oh, is that the one with Val Kilmer? He's a pilot. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> Yeah, he's in the that's, Navy. That's top secret. <laughs> or Top I think, Gun. I think you're thinking top secret. <laughs> it's one of those. It's, about, it's something like that, right? No. Unnecessary roughness. <laughs> Kathy Ireland. That's the only... Pre- I mean... Like, yeah, did Kathy Ireland The guy play, from Quantum Leap, I think. Did Kathy Ireland play Scott, uh, What's it? Scott something. I know it's not Bayo. <laughs> Scott. Yeah, it's, it is Scott something. But is that... Was Kathy Ireland a football player in that movie? She was a kicker. Yeah, yeah she was the kicker. Yeah. So okay. in that movie, 
there was a moment where the quarterback had been beat up pretty hard. I mean, he'd been beat around, and and the center came to him and said, "Nobody will touch you." And he's like, "Oh, all right." So you got my back, and he's like, "Yeah, nobody will touch you anymore." I feel like this Utah offensive line, seeing Tyler Huntley hobbled, went to him and said, "No, nobody's going to touch you." So sit back there, deliver the ball, and we're going to take care of you. Because tonight was one of the best set pocket nights that I'd seen in a long time. How how many times did I say to you during the game, Huntley has all day to throw? Yeah, there, there were quite a few. There were a few times like yeah. that where he seemed like he had all the clean, clean pocket. Yep. All uh, day to throw. Can you tell me... Because this is your area of expertise, along with lots of others, but this is one that you have a lot of passion about. How has this Utah offensive line improved? From the from the biggest question mark on the offensive side yeah. to where they are today. Well, first and foremost, Nick Ford has come miles. So we watch Tyler Huntley keep his eyes up when he's rushing out of the pocket. I see Nick Ford has taken strides. N- number one, he's learned the playbook, and I'm just not seeing the mental errors. You know, the, the mental error that we talked about it, it, against USC when one guy didn't get the alcohol, that's not Nick Ford. Nick has done a fantastic job of getting in the playbook, knowing the plays, and I, I haven't seen the mental mistakes, the big plays that pop free through his gaps. I'm actually seeing him pancake guys, and he's becoming one of the more violent offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. So Nick Ford has taken a huge stride, and I'm so proud of him, and I'm, I'm really happy for him. Darren Paulo has been extremely consistent. He has just continually been a consistent presence that you could really rely on, and it's great that he's back and and that he's healthy. Orlando Omana has done a great job finding a solid foundation. Braden Daniels has done a solid job, and Simi Mawala took the start on the outside, and he's come a long way, and I'm just seeing a group start to unify. Now, I will tell you that and I, and I don't know if anybody does this, if there's advanced statistics out there on this, but I feel like Tyler Huntley's release count is slimmed from what it was last year. The decisions are made quicker. The receivers into route faster. They're making their cuts, and Huntley is getting the ball out quicker. So that makes the offense look a little bit. That makes the offensive line look a little bit better. Yeah. But I also yeah. think that the offensive line is doing a good job of of stunting, stopping guys right there at the line. And the route combinations are much better. So that's it, another huge thing. You you don't put all of the pressure on the offensive line on third down and six to hold for four counts or some ridiculous number as this route is developing and developing and developing downfield. Tyler Huntley now is looking downfield to count, nothing there. Here comes the crossing route. We're going to hit that four or five yards downfield and and say, hey, our guy is going to make a yard Mm -hmm. and we're going to pick up that third down. I remember one of my first offensive line meetings when they had moved me from defensive tackle to offensive line, we had a running back named Edrin James that was – Edrin Edrin was something else, man. I I didn't didn't was he amazing? Yeah, he was amazing. Yeah, I didn't care much for the guy, but (laughs) he didn't care much for me. But I remember the first the first (laughs) offensive meeting we had, and Howard Mudd, our offensive line coach, gets up there, and he looks at the offensive line. He said, "Just realize, 
all we have to do is just touch a defensive lineman on one angle and Edron James is going to do the rest. And I can remember game plans of, hey guys, so this is what we're going to do. We're just going to take a step, we're going to catch the angle, and we're going to let Edron do his work, and we're going to give you a chance to punch the defensive line in the mouth. So you just take a hard step at the angle, you block the edge, Edron will cut off the back end, and he goes and gets some powerful pounding yardage. That's what Zach Moss is doing right now. And it's creating a confidence in the offensive line as a game progresses where they're like, doesn't matter what we do, man. We're killing this defense. (laughs) And the defense is exhausted because they've been punched in the mouth and they're chasing Zach Moss, and they don't have the gusto in the pass rush. Mm -hmm. And and so it's extremely complimentary both ways. Yeah, I was just going to say, you look at tonight, the Brian Thompson touchdown was off of play action, and they've been so successful off of play action all year long in the passing game, and I think it ties into everything you just said about how they're establishing that dominance with Zach Moss in the run game. Andy Ludwig called him an eraser a few weeks ago. Yeah. And I think that's really a great description for him because he erases a lot of the mistakes up front. He does. And it's allowed that offensive line to really grow and progress. I'm telling you, Frank, guys like you did so much for guys like me. You know, I was mentioning Joe Germain. Mm -hmm. Joe was one of the the quickest release quarterbacks I played for. Now, I did play for Peyton Manning, and he was a quick release and quick decision, and he can make offensive lines look really good. But... I can remember at the end of a game having not given up a sack, playing a clean game as an offensive lineman, and kind of flashing back in the game and thinking, geez, man, I had four or five times where I was beat in under a two count, and I didn't give up a sack. Wow. So my thought was, man, my quarterback is really good. Yeah. And I'm sure that quarterbacks probably think the same, like, holy crap, man, I sat there for a good three count, and... I didn't get touched. I sat there for at least a second and a half without being pressured. It was amazing. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you know, and we like to, quarterbacks, I put myself in that group, like to take care of our guys up front because you guys are out there working hard. And I understand that Peyton Manning was one of the most generous of gift givers <laughs> in the National Football League. What was the nicest gift that you ever received from Peyton Manning? Because he, he was your quarterback for a while. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't that long. What? One, what a year or so. One year when I was on defense, and a year and a half when I was on offense. Yeah, uh, yeah, he got a me a pair a of ostrich boots. It, 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 I uh, don't. You wow. bring this up because what you a, love to rub amazing. this in my face. What, what do you mean? That is an amazing. You know ostrich I mean. boots are not inexpensive. I mean, that is a yeah, very pro- nice. They gift. could probably go. You know, Dan Marino used to give his guys isotoner gloves. You got ostrich skin. <laughs> Don't, it's boots. not making me feel any better. It's not okay. Now, okay. So put it in perspective ostrich, this way: okay. ostrich, if Dan Marino would have given isotoners, if Come, Dan Marino would have given one of his offensive linemen isotoners, and then every other one Rolexes, right? How do you think the guy with the isotoners would have felt? He'd been like, oh, well, I have to keep my hands warm, it but depends. it kind of sucks. It depends. Is it really chilly outside? Because I don't know how effective a watch will be keeping your hands nice and toasty if it's really cold outside. So it's situational. Don't make it any better. It's situational. 
855-340-9663. Let's hear from Kyle Whittingham, and then we'll put a bow on this post-game show. Here's Kyle Whittingham at the podium with the media after this game goes final. Since we joined the league, so it's, I guess it's about time, but nice job by our defense. Outstanding plan by uh, Coach Scali and his staff, and uh, again, all boils down to the players uh, making plays and executing, and did a great job of that. Took care of the football. I didn't turn it over one time. Um, special teams were solid, like I said, and uh, just proud of our guys, and, and really it's a, a product of their Monday through Friday work. They, they, this team practices exceptionally well and prepares exceptionally well, and, and it's showed on the last uh, several uh, Saturdays. Questions? Defense obviously has been doing really well for the week. It doesn't seem like they're lining that high. They're just kind of going in. What, what sense are you getting in from the defense and how they prepare for each of these Exactly that. I mean, they perform, be performing well, but they don't, you know, they just uh, get ready for the next opponent, you know, new challenge every week, and, and nobody cares what you've done, you know, in the past. It's all about what you're doing now, and, and you're only as good as your last performance, and, and uh, you know, that's the right attitude to have. They have a great uh, work ethic and a great uh, ability to focus and concentrate and, and uh, execute what the coaches have outlined for them. When, when did you know that Tyler was going to be able to go? No, for sure. Uh, pre-game warm-ups. I mean, it was, it was pretty dicey all week long. He didn't practice much uh, early in the week. As the week progressed, he practiced a little more, but he was still... And you can see he still wasn't 100%, but, but he wanted to go, and, and uh, I thought Andy did a great job of, of uh, scheming things to, to uh, help him, you know, with his lack of mobility to, to take some of the, some of the uh, you know, need to move around off of him. And, uh, you know, we played a solid first half, and we figured that if we got out of that first drive, uh, opening the second half, that we'd make a change. If, if something would have gone wrong and he would have scored, you probably would have seen him for a, a couple series at least. Uh, you talked about Washington and the challenge they had. That yeah, big challenge. Got to go up there to Seattle. They're a good football team. I know they've dropped some games this year, but they got talent. A uh, big, strong quarterback that's got a big arm. Uh, <coughs> tremendous receivers, running back. Lines are solid. And so it's, uh, you know, they're the Huskies, and they got uh, as good a talent as anybody uh, in the league for certain. And uh, we've, I think we've only won once there since we've been in the pack, so we gotta, they got to work right out for us. As well as Dallas defensive, they all seem to be surprised with your offenses before. No, we got good players on offense, too. And, uh, you know, offensive line control the line of scrimmage. I don't know what we ended up uh, rushing for. Um, well, was it over 200? Yeah, well over 200, 230. So, so uh, you know, we knew that uh, you know, we had a chance to, to run the ball, and, and that's always where it starts with us. And, and uh, that opened up the, the throw game. And, and uh, like I said, I thought it was a good plan and, and well executed. How did you know the record day for Zach Moss? Is there ever times on the sidelines when you're seeing him run that you just are like, wow, he's, he's a lot of times. Yeah, a lot of times. He's, he's a special back. And what was the record today? All-time yeah. touchdown. Touchdowns, great. Okay, well, that's that's awesome for Zach. I knew he was close to that. I didn't realize that it happened. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's a special back, and, and uh, he's got uh, the whole package. I mean, he's got a great skill set, and, and uh, we're fortunate to have him, and fortunately he came back for his senior year. Kyle, you talked about the Yeah, I believe so. I think the offensive line was was more determined than ever to, to protect him and take the hits off him, and 
and uh, they did a nice job with that. And Darren Paulo was was banged up pretty good too, and he, he came out and competed and, and did a great job. So, you know, those guys are warriors. I mean, it's great to you know that mentality that they have and the toughness is is great to see, and and it rubs off on the rest of the team. I know your defense wins championships, kind of guy. Your defense is playing at a championship level. Yeah, they're playing. They got momentum, and the whole team's got momentum right now. You know, it's four good outings in a row. I think four, one, two, three, four in a row, and so uh, you know it's good. But again, new challenge this week, and and uh, what we've done the last few weeks. You know, Washington doesn't care. You know, they'll be ready for us, and, and uh, they're they're off this week, so they got an extra week to prepare. So, so we got to get ready in a big hurry for them. Coach, usually there's something that goes wrong in the game, but you thought you had 500 yards. You held them we missed a field goal. Is that something you have to complain about? Yeah, that was probably my fault because I, I yelled out to him to let the clock run down a little bit. I shouldn't have disturbed him. Should have just let him kick the ball and not worried about the few extra seconds. And and uh, so I'll take that on me. But that was that was one thing I can think of. Don't get bored with winning, right? Never get bored with winning. Okay, is that it? Thanks, guys. Are we done? Pulling the plug too early? Pulling the plug. That's it. All right. Hi, buddy. How are you doing? How excited was Coach Witt to be done that quick with what? Scrum. He was like, "I'm done." Are Pulling we done? Plug. Nobody is. No. Wait. Nobody has. But, to but here's Put your the, hand down. We don't have any more questions. No. But here's the. the this is the honest question. I mean, I. I this I. I analyze football for a job, and. <laughs> I can I break this game down like I've looked at it a couple of different ways, but there aren't a ton of things. It's like so, coach, you dominated them, right. and coach is like, yeah, we did. <clears throat> so, coach, they didn't gain any yards. No, they didn't. Nope, they didn't. So, yeah. coach, you you gained a lot of yards. Yeah, we did. Yes. You missed a field goal. Yeah, that was my fault. Oh yeah, that's my fault. Now, <laughs> wait a second. Let me give you this. He's so funny, man. He just. What are the chances that coach? Whittingham believes that it was his fault that they missed a field goal. Uh, so, okay, sir, you're asking me what are the chances that he pulls the kicker aside and he's like, hey, it's my fault, man. <laughs> yeah. What are the chances it's he not, did that? Like, it's not he's running you. off the field and he said, hey, listen, it's bud, me. that was, that, that one's on, like, tapping his chest. And Coach Whittingham is saying, hey, that missed field goal, the field goal that you just missed from 32 yards out from the right hash, that's I'll me. Take that that's one. me. I'll take that. That's, That's off. That came off my foot. That was me. No, probably not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> Coach Witt, he does need to manage this because there could be a field goal situation where it's dire. Like this one, we can laugh, but if the game counted there, there was a field goal this, situation tonight with Oregon and Washington State to win the game. Yeah. This is. Wait a second. What happened in that game? I didn't see a final. Thirty-seven, thirty-five Ducks. Oh, wow! So, so Oregon hit a final field goal to win it. So, so Oregon stays one loss. The Duck or, or Washington State—that's their fourth loss on the year. Wow, that's that's Pac-12. Yeah, the the, the kicking game, special teams play has been. It's not that it's been unnecessary. It's been unutilized. There's not. It doesn't feel like there's faith. In the kicking game, with this with this University of Utah football team, and I think Brian, you're right. At some point, Utah could find themselves in that close game. Who knows? It may be this week at Washington, and 
the the, the kicking game has has been just a little unreliable to this point in the season. And that's odd because Utah in the past several years has found themselves the great beneficiary of spectacular special Mm -hmm. teams play. Well, it's been strange in all phases, both kicking, punting, even the return game really hasn't been as prolific, I think, as you've seen in years past. Mm -mm. And some of that's probably with the Covey injury on the return aspects kickoffs uh, have basically just been eliminated for the most part with mm-hmm. the fair catch rule yeah. and so you just aren't going to see a lot off of that I, I generally believe but it's very odd to see a Utah team be so efficient offensively so efficient defensively and struggle so much with a special team not have the third phase is that just the dumbest rule ever by the way which one the fair catch yeah. on a kickoff and you take it at the 25 they just want it eliminated man i uh, yeah. Well, then just eliminate it. Well, then just what, everything starts at the 25-yard line. Dude, that's what Full Steed Ahead tried to do, man. Full Steed Ahead. Hashtag Full Steed Ahead. <laughs> go Stallions. That's what the Stallions tried to just do. Just go Stallions. Full Steed <laughs> How'd ahead. that work for them? It was fantastic. They were out of business I quick. loved it. The second the NCAA d- completely takes it out, <laughs> be rubbing elbows with the Steed. Oh, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, just get out. You just get right out of here. Hey, uh, Frank, final, yes. final thoughts on this game. There's an interesting question on Twitter right now about Andy Ludwig. Brilliant, yay, or nay? Uh, yay. I think he's managed this team spectacularly well. I think he's taken Tyler Huntley, who who shouldn't have been in his third year, going into his fourth year, a raw, unknown, and he's molded him into a highly efficient and productive quarterback. Well, what does Andy Ludwig have this year that Troy Taylor did not have last year? Is that a trick question? Brian Thompson is literally the only answer that I have. So I I ask that question because the first thing I do, I think, okay, if you ask me, is Andy Ludwig brilliant? The first thing I do is I've got to think, okay, can I put a mediocre coordinator in with this talent and get same production? Nope. We didn't see that. So Andy Ludwig has developed Tyler Huntley to be an eyes downfield quarterback Jim Harding, I think he's always been really the answer for the offensive line. And he's he's churned out, I think, six draft picks or something in his time. So I, I know he can develop offensive line. And I, I also know Kyle Whittingham on a personal basis. And I, I know Kyle has confidence in Jim. Yeah, he's so, assistant head coach. Yeah, so I, I know there's confidence there. And I know Jim's doing his job. And I, I think that Guy Holiday has really coached receivers inside Ludwig's offense and can look at his guys with confidence and say, hey, guys, the ball will be there on time. It'll be there. Andy Ludwig's will – he the ball will be there on time. Make your cuts. Make your blocks. Get in your routes. And we're going to have success together. And he can, he can coach them with absolute confidence. And I, so I think that Ludwig is – a brilliant coordinator. I, I now brilliant is a bold word. Brilliant. You, know? you, you think of like <clears throat> Dave Aranda's, I think is he the highest paid defensive coordinator? 
in the country right now. I I think he's up there at least number one, number two. Some. It's either he or the guy at Texas A and M. So, <clears throat> so you know, you you think of you think of brilliance and and brilliance is typically paid incredible. And and Andy Ludwig is making he's fine compensation, and I think he's. Uh, I think he could be classified as a brilliant offensive mind. Mm-hmm. At least that's how it feels like he's done with this offense. I think the the brilliance in Andy Ludwig is utilizing the assets, maximizing the assets that he has available. And that and that hasn't been done in the past. And taking a, a super talented and athletic guy who plays the quarterback position and turning him into a quarterback. And so those two things just translate into an offense that comp. So I always used to say that each week Utah brings a championship caliber defense to the table. Mm -hmm. And now I think you could say that on both sides of the ball, Utah brings a championship level defense and offense to the table. And we just haven't been able to say that in the past. And if it wasn't for USC, <clears throat> we'd all be sitting here oh, man. looking at a top five Utah team with a, a real open eyes. And, and that USC loss throws a couple of different issues into the machine. USC is going to lose to Oregon. They'll they'll lose to Oregon. They they will. Utah's going to get their chance. What I need to see happen is, you know, we saw Notre Dame go down, we saw Oklahoma go down, and we see, you know, we're starting to see the landscape shape up a little bit better for Utah. You got to keep seeing those things. USC needs to win every game but Oregon. Because when they look at that loss, you know you don't want USC to take it out the rest of the season and then no. be like, "Ooh, that is a stinky cheese loss right there." Mm-hmm. And and they've already got some losses that don't look real good on that resume. So they they've got to lose one more against Oregon, and then they've got to be good throughout. I want this Utah team to get a chance, guys. So I want them to get a chance. I just I've seen Kyle Whittingham prepare for Nick Saban. Now Nick Saban was not preparing for a Final Four; he was preparing for a Sugar Bowl. But I've seen Kyle Whittingham and Andy Ludwig make Nick Saban look pedestrian. I just want a chance. Well, (laughs) that's it. This is the week. This is the week. Utah matches up against. Washington at Seattle. USC matches up against Oregon at the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. This is the week to determine what happens in the South Division. Well, we'll get you covered right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Remember, Thursday from 1 to 3, our Utah preview show with Frank Dolce. We'll be talking about this on Monday. Frank will be on with the, the morning guys, I think, on Monday morning? Monday morning at 7.30. And then, so we'll we'll really start to break into the Utah-Washington matchup on Monday at 7.30 with Frank Dolce on with DJ and PK. Yeah. Frank joins the 
Big show on Wednesday afternoon, 4 o'clock. And then we get Frank on Thursday for a couple hours. And then yep. Friday, don't you join Tony Austin and Austin? And Tony? Usually 10.30 or 11.05. Okay, so we've got the Utah side covered. We'll have Washington guests on. And we will break this game down. Frank just said it perfectly. This is the week. This is the week of reckoning for the University of Utah. And we will not let it go by quietly. We're going to have you covered right here. And big thanks to everybody that made it happen, Brian. Thank you back there. Austin, And he I know he's taken off, but Austin uh, has done a fantastic job for us. Big thanks to Frank and everybody else. The, the VIP tent that was so fantastic earlier today and so many others that make this thing great. We really do appreciate all your efforts. This has been your Utah Post Game Show right here on 97.5, 12 into the zone on the Zone Sports Network.